All right, Boker Tov, Erev Purim Tov, I guess, better than saying Gutanis Esther Tov. All right, so we, today's daf is Yudet, Sheket Bevakashah, gentlemen. Today's daf is Yudet, and it's going to continue a lot with this discussion about uh, coinage, um, and we are still dealing with this issue about how do we know, according to Beit Shammai, that what's the basis to say that a dinar is the minimum amount that a woman could be married if a pruta is the minimum amount of money. So we have uh, one explanation which is more sort of a subjective explanation of her das, like it's a presumption that uh, women would not agree to less than a dinar, which the Gemara ch- sort of challenged. We have another explanation that since, that, that since it's based on Kesef in the Torah, Kesef in the Torah, the minimum amount is Kesef Tzuri, which is silver coinage. The problem being, though, a little a part of the problem being that that would not put you at a dinar, it would put you at a ma'ah. And anyway, for other reasons, the Gemara says that when it says Kesef generically, it's not a particular coin, and it could even include a, a pruta, and that the real ke- when we say the kesef in the Torah means specific, you know, um, uh, um, um, uh, kesef tsuri, um, silver coinage, and a particular type of silver coinage. That's only when the Torah gives an exact amount, thirty, fifty, etc. Then you have to really know the denomination. Okay, so we're back to the question of what's the basis of Beit Shammai, and now the thing we said is that basically that the answer was um, um, anyway. Why don't we just read it from the top? Reb Shimon Lucky. So we'll start again from like eight lines on the bottom of Yudal from the bat. The reason is like Chizkia. Damar Chizkia Markra, the verse says, Vehefda, by the Amavriya, sold by the father. And when he used the selling of the Amavriya by the father as a model for the father marrying the daughter in Kiddushin, which we've seen before. Where Vehefda teaches that the, uh, that you redeem, the slave can redeem himself or herself in this case, and that actually that, um, that it, you prorate the amount of, that they have to pay to redeem themselves based on the amount that they've served so far, the amount of labor that they've done so far. Okay, so if that's true, so that means that you have to have a, the original um, um, you know, sale price was something that could be prorated, was more than a penny, right? Or else there's no opportunity to prorate. If you had paid a dinar for her, which is close to 200 prutas, okay, then you could prorate there, you know, if she'd served half the time, then you would do it, uh, you know, whatever, you'd pay, you'd do half, okay, um, um, so if but it was only paid a pruta at the beginning so mi pruta mi megara there's nothing to, uh, to, to to detract there's nothing to prorate from that so first of all how does it prove a dinar right so we'll get to that so anyway but, and, 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 right because it could be anything between a pruta and a dinar so first of all has a different question maybe this is what the Torah says maybe the Torah is saying look if it's possible to prorate, like a like a dinar was paid for her to begin with, then you could prorate until there's like a pruta left. You can't go below a pruta. You'd have to minimally do a pruta to redeem her. Okay, but hey, if you if you try to redeem her, let's say on the last day. Okay, but hey, the la pruta. If it was the case that only a pruta was paid for her, maybe there is no option. Meaning maybe she could still be bought for a pruta, and in that case there would be no prorating. And when the Torah discussed about prorating, that was when the more than a pruta was paid for her. So before the question about how do you know it's a dinar, maybe it's one of these middle coins. The question is, okay, just because there's an op- option to prorate doesn't mean every case has to have that scenario. Maybe there's a case that has a pruta. So the Gemara says, no, low saga That doesn't make sense. 
Because we'd say the same thing we say about Yiyud. Remember, when an Amavi is sold, the goal is, is for the master to make her his wife, to be Miyayid her, for her, for him or for his son. Now, what now? So that's, you could say that's an option. What about a scenario where there would not be an option for Yiyud? What would be a scenario? Let's say somebody sold his daughter to his, uh, to his, um, uh, to his, I don't know, let's get a crazy example, to his uh, father. Okay? Let's say, or to his, uh, son, okay, somebody you know, his son was wealthy, he wasn't he was hard on whatever, anyway so now, the man who has bought this girl as an Amivria cannot marry her, it's an Arias to him, you got the case? okay, or if you want a case, it's maybe less crazy, let's say he sold it to a man who had already ma- who had married this girl's sister he sold his daughter to a man who had married this girl's sister, okay, so you, so you say, fine, that's a good sale Yehud isn't an option in that case, but we don't say that, we say, if Yehud isn't an option there's no sale. Okay? My yud, Avagav di Ibai Miyaid Vibai Lomiyaid. You could say Yud is just an option. You don't have to be Miyaid. So the you know, but we would say, but nevertheless we say, if you doesn't have to take place, but it has to be possible. And if Yud is not possible, it would not be a good sale. So Hachanami, so we'll say the same here. If there's not an option to free her by, you know, paying by, by reducing the amount, would it be good? So every case has to have a case of the possibility for reducing the amount, okay? So, so Pruto would never be enough. You'd always have to have a higher point of sale to give the ability to reduce the amount. If that ability wasn't there, the sale wouldn't be good. And therefore, it's not a Pruto. So if it's not a Pruto, it's got to be a demon. I still don't explain why not any of those middle coins. And by the way, one should point out, there's a big difference between this and between yield. Yield, you could say, so the point that the Torah, the reason the Torah allowed a father to sell his daughter into slavery was only because of the hope and anticipation that the guy would marry her. That not that real, I mean, not, you know, so that's what the whole point of the institution was. And if yield isn't on the table, then there's no, then, there's, then, it does, then we don't allow it. Whereas here, if he sold it for a pruta and came redeem for a pruta, why would, would should we not allow the sale just because you can't go lower than a pruta? But okay, the Gemara is saying, no, there has to be, it has to be a higher point of sale. There has to be the possibility of reducing the, the amount. So the Gemara says, okay, the Kiddushay Isha, and that's stage number one. So we know from selling the daughter to slavery, it's more than a pruta. The Kiddushay Isha, the and he would learn out uh, the Kiddushim of a woman from the father's sale of his daughter as a slave. So the same way by Amavri, it's not a pruta, because we said it had to be a higher amount so that you could reduce it. Same by uh, marriage of a woman. So now the Gemara says, So so what? Say half a dinar, they must stay prutot, or say two prutot, right? There's a lot of numbers between one and 192, okay? I think there are 191 numbers, 190 numbers between them. Anyway, so the Gemara says, okay, no. Once it's more than a pruta, we're going to go to like a, the next serious coinage, which will be a dinar. All right? Now, I don't know, again, I don't know why a ma'a isn't serious, but okay. Like, look, think about this. If I say it can't be a penny, right? So when I said, all right, so fine, it's a dollar. Now, you know, a dollar is a hundred times a penny. Well, how about a nickel? How about a dime? How about a quarter? So you could say, no, like the next serious 
you know, sort of, if you, what's it called, like a, um, a the next serious, like, order of magnitude, you know, the next serious sort of, you know, sort of category is going up from a penny to a dollar. So you go up from a pruta to a dealer, sure, there's something else, you know, there's even a silver thing besides that, but that makes sense as the next stage. All right, so that's the explanation. It has to be more than a pruta, and once we know it's more than a pruta, we're going to establish it at a dinar, you know, that's how we learn it out. Okay, that's, that's one, a, a new explanation for Beit Shammai. Now the says like this. Um, okay. Rav Amar, Hainu Taimu the Beit Shammai, a third reason for Beit Shammai. One is the presumption women won't agree to less than a dinar. Number two is if it's not going to be a pruta, it's the next serious level of coinage, which is a dinar. And Rav says, you know what, here's the reason. Shalom Yubanot Yisrael Kehefker. Not about the woman's subjective desire, but more about a societal concern. If we allow a woman to be purchased for a dinar, it sends a, a, a pruta, it sends a message that they're like, you know, garbage, right? You know, penny. So it's sort of that, you know, that, that, and it leads to a mistreatment of women, to a devaluing of, of, of women in society. So again, it's funny, because again, you could argue so that if it's a pruta, like I said before, that if it's a pruta, it's clearly symbolic. If it's a dinar, it's more, you know, it's more uh, maybe, you know, evokes the idea of purchase. But not really, you know. Sometimes in context, they say, I think I mentioned this before, like, in consideration for one dollar, you know, I obligate myself to. It doesn't say in consideration for one penny, right? You could have something that's symbolic, and still, is it a symbol? you know, it's like, or also, like I said yesterday, it's like, it's not, you know, it, you know, it's not the gift that matters, it's the thought that counts. Yeah, but like, if this is the thought you put into it, you know, if it's so, it could be even if it's symbolic, the symbolism of a penny is a degrading type of a symbolism. The symbolism of a dollar, you know, is a little bit more substantial. So, that, and that's what Rubber says. Now, the problem still here is, is that that's a nice type of a sort of a societal reason, a policy reason to do it, but it doesn't explain a Rice idea about why that would be. So, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Kehefka, Rashi about six lines down in the narrow lines, Rashi says, so Rashi says, yeah, it's all rabbinic. And Beit Shammai basically says, you know, the rabbis, pr- technically a pruta should work mina Torah, but the rabbis prevented it to wor- working and anything less than a dinar for the sake of protecting the status so of women. It wouldn't be invalid. It would, it would be invalid because Even though he wrote a ketubah later and got married. Yeah, whatever, exactly. Okay, so that, so again, quite fascinating that the Gemara is reading this as to protect the status of women, right? So in this, uh, right, like if you hold it up exactly in contrast with what we said a second ago, which is Beit Shammai's reason was because they learned out from the sale of an Amma Ivriya, right? It's, there's some aspects of the ways of thinking about marriage which is very much seems to treat a woman totally as property to be bought and sold. And here we're saying almost the exact opposite. You know, that it's done stafka to protect the status of women. Yeah, Charlie, what do you want to say? Well, sometimes wealthy people will take a salary of a dollar a year. Right. They never take them oh, exactly. Okay, so now the Gemara goes on. So that's Beit Now, back to Beit Hila. Beit Hila means pruta. Now, now we're back to Beit Now, pruta, remember we said, was one ace of an Isar Ha'italki. There's your Isar. Okay, so. We said, Rav Yosef Lameimar, pruta kolder. Rav Yosef thought we'd say, a pruta, whatever its value might be in a given society at a given time, even if it, cha- it fluctuates in value. Um, or, you know, Amalei Abayi, Abayi said, Va'alak Tani, Tami Yipruta, Echem Yishmane Bishar Yitalki. Abayi said, One minute, there's a, 
the Mishnah went out of its way to say one, one eighth of an Isar. So clearly, of an Italian one, to be very specific, clearly to tell you that it's not something that you go, you know, at, at, at any society at any given time. Maybe that was telling you at the time of Moshe, one imagines there was no Italian Isars at the time of Moshe. <laughs> it's funny the Gemara didn't say Bedoro shall Rebbe, but again, we're presumably learning it out from a Pasuk in the Torah. Okay, I mean, you know, the Torah says Kesef, we mean minimum Kesef, so maybe that's what was minimum in the time of Moshe. Okay, that's like the original amount. But basically, now we would go to whatever has that analogous weight for people, like the, the minimum coinage for people. Again, it's particularly funny, since the Gemara is dealing within the possibility that there isn't a fixed amount, that it basically means whatever is mi- the minimum Minim, the minimum amount that's considered money in a given society so it didn't have to be Shamosha Moshe could have been a different coin it really is funny the Gemara didn't say you know why didn't the Gemara say you know Bedoro Shel Rebbe right because the whole point is is that we don't have to say it's the same as was in the time of Moshe that the Mishnah is telling for its time what the minimum coinage is and Allah really is though for any society and for any time will determine whatever a pruta is okay so that's the point maybe the Mishnah doesn't lock us in so the Gemara says no when Avdimi came from Mitchell, he said, So Reb Simai assessed in his generation based on this idea of one eighth of an Italian Isar. What does that mean? Rashi explains it means that somebody married a woman with an Isar, and Reb Simai wanted to determine was she really married or not. And what he had to do was he had to assess is the Isar that she was married with, and not Isar, excuse me, a Pruta. He married this woman with a Pruta, and he had to determine if she was married, and he had to assess, is this Pruta in our generation still worth one-eighth of an Italian Isar? So he was using the standard in the Mishnah to determine whether the Isar, whether, actually, I'm saying that, whether the Pruta of his time was considered a Pruta or not. So, I, well, I don't know. So you see, it's, I don't know, five cents, ten cents, certainly a dollar, is way more. Okay, anyway, so you see for, um, you see that you go by, uh, you don't go by every, by, by, it's not a subjective or it's not a, like, a, a standard that changes based on circumstances or based on society and time. It's an objective standard. Also, uh, in similarly, when Ravin came, Amar, he said, Reb Dostav, Reb Yanaiv, Reb Oshaya, these three great rabbis, Shiru Kamahave Pruta, Echad Mishisha Bisar Italki. Now, when they, now, this is interesting, it's against the Mishnah, we're going to get back to it. But nevertheless, the point for us is, they were using an objective standard. A man married a woman with a Pruta, and they wanted to determine, was she really married or not, and had to decide, was it more or less than one-sixth of an Isar. So you see, a pruta is not, we don't say any pruta in any society is enough. It has to meet a, an, an objective, consistent standard. Now we're going to get to what their debate is based on, but first we're making this point that it does not change based on society and time. There's an objective, consistent standard. One minute. I'm going to Rev Yosef, Ihachi, one minute. I got a problem. If we're saying that a pruta always is an eighth or maybe a sixth of an Italian Isar, explain to me the following Mishnah. How do we teach the following thing? Actually, I think it's a, not a Mishnah, it's something in the. Um, yeah, it is a Mishnah. Um, okay. Um, 
So it's Seimuch Shov, um, or actually, no, it's a, uh, what do you call it? It's a, it's a Sifra. Okay, we teach the following in the Sifra. Seimuch Shov, Kama Prutas, Prishnei Slain. Now, if somebody is Nanet, does Me'ila, gets, derives benefit from Hekvish, they have to bring an Asham. And the Torah says the Asham, Asham, how much is the Asham worth? Kesef Shkalim, two Shekel. Okay? A Shekel is a seller. Okay? Now, here, the point that the Sifra is making is, you benefited, you got a pruta's worth of benefit, a penny's worth of benefit. You're going to have to bring a korban worth two shekel. Like, so, look at how weighty your sin was and how disproportional it is. So, we want to point out how much more your korban is going to cost than how much you, uh, than, you know, how much you benefited. Now, a shekel is 768, right, uh, uh, prutas. So, basically, your korban is going to cost about 1,500, you know, 1,550, roughly, whatever. You know, 1,550, 1,500 uh, times the amount that you benefited. Okay, now, but he says, but one minute. I don't know, but I don't understand, because look at what the Sifra says. Go and figure out, how many prutas? Oh, it's two shekel. Because of shkalim. Okay, so this would have it be 15, uh, right, I did that, I did it, 1,500, right. Okay, um, so, more than 2,000. Now, one minute, we just did the math and we only got 1,500 or change. So the Gemara says, it's not even 2,000. Yes, sir, you're calling it more than 2,000? So from the fact that this Sifra calls it more than 2,000, you see that the value of Prutas can change. That's his argument. That the Sifra must have been dealing with a Pruta that was worth much less than, then you know this one eighth here, okay? So, like we read the Netosos yesterday. Anyway, he says, look, prutas don't have a consistent value. This sifra thinks it's more than two thousand, and it's really only more than, and it's really only about fifteen hundred. So the Gemara says, Amalehu Hausabas, or a certain uh, old person said to him, No, Anataninala, I taught that brayta, and here's the way I have the gears of the brayta. Karavla payim. Is that it's more than two thousand? It's close to 2,000. What is it? So, so, what do you mean close to 2,000? Do the math. Alpha v'chamesh ma'ah, it's 1,500 v'chlossin v'shisha, and 36. Okay, 1536. You can sort of see that, right? 14, 13, right, 1536. So, hudahavian. So, that's not close to 2,000. It's almost 500 away. This is no. Kilin enough to lumi palga karav lapayim karile. Since it's over... 1500, so you round to the nearest right. thousand. Okay, so 1536, round it to the nearest thousand, that's close to 2000. All right, anyway. Exactly. All right, so anyway. So we solved that problem, but the, the goal, but the point was to prove is Pruta always the same value? Okay, and that seems to say no, but we solved it. Now let's get back to this issue. We are going to say there's a consistent. Uh, amount that we determine halachically a pruta about, um, and which does not change based on society and time, but there's still this debate about one-sixth versus one-eighth of an isar. Let's try to figure out what that's based on. Gufa. Let's go back and look at that debate. So maybe this debate between you and Ravin about whether it's an eighth or a sixth. The plugs of the Hani Tanai Kamiflagi. You debate. You're, it's the same debate as we find amongst these Tanaim. The Tanaim we turn to Brisa. Pruta Shemu Chachamim. The Pruta that the Rabbi spoke about. Echem Ishmana Bishari Talki. One eighth of the Talmud Yisar. Now. 
We're going to do the whole math. Sheish me'ah kesef dinar. Okay, a dinar is six, right? You see, I have 32 here and 192 here. Okay, so so this is one, if we're measuring ma'ah here, right, it's one ma'ah to six of these, right? Everybody here with me with math? Mm-hmm. Right, you see? This is 32, this was 192 in frutas. Yeah. One to six ratio, yeah. okay? So there are six ma'ah, it's sort of working backwards, okay, but there are six ma'ah for every dinar, okay? Uh, ma'ah shnei pundion, a ma'ah is two pundion, okay? Pundion shnei isarim, a pundion is two isar, right? I already have this sort of here, okay? Um, and in isar shnei musmasim, we don't have that. Mismas shnei kudrakim, kudrak shnei putot. Okay, anyway, there's some smaller coinages within here, there's a nickel and a diamond, whatever, but well, anyway, it's a one to eight, okay? So this is exactly the thing, what we have, you know? And you basically do this, you know, you do this times six times two, whatever, and it's a one to one ninety two ratio, okay? Fine. Nimsa pruta echamishmona bisari talki. Now, really, the only part you needed at the end was when it went from an isar, it said, you know, it's, half, it's twice of this and twice of this and whatever, twice of that, so it's one eighth. A pruta is, is one eighth of an Italian isar. So that position says it's one eighth of an Italian isar. Now, Rabshimungam Leo has a different set of coinages. You can't have to imagine living in the system where you have competing systems of coinage going around. Well, like, yeah, okay. different countries, you know, the, the euro, the dollar. Yeah, but I don't think it was only that. I think it was Mamish, like, same time, same place. Anyway, like, there was a local coinage and uh, whatever. Anyway, Shlosha Hadrasin Lima'ah. Okay, now he's going to say, actually, uh, there are, um, I agree to this one to six ratio. Okay, let's sort of do it in the opposite direction. One dinar is six me'ah. That I agree. But then there's going to be something called a hadras or whatever here. And we're figuring out how much a dinar is worth. And there are three, that's a three to one. So it's going to be 18 hadrasim, right? Three, three hadras per me'ah. Shnei hanatsim lahadras. So now we have a hanat, so there's going to be two to, two to there, so it's 36. We're figuring out how many, you know, in, in, a, in, in, a, in a dinar, right? So there's six ma'as in a dinar. This is a three-to-one ratio. There are 18 hadrasim. There are 36 hanatsim. Lahadrats. Um, Shnei shmanim lahanats. Okay, so then there's this thing called the shaman. I don't know. Anyway, we're up to 72. That's two-to-one. Shnei putsot shamanim, And then we get to pruta, where is... 144. Okay? So according to this, the relevance of this is, people wish to have seen what I was doing here, the relevance of this is according to this, there's 144 prutos to a dinar, not 192 prutos to a dinar. Okay? Now, if you wanted to figure out, okay, so, okay, so, there, so, what? Now, Yes. So, um, so, if we're assuming the ratio of Isar to Dinar is the same, this is a 1 to 24 ratio. Right? See that 24, 8 times 24 mm-hmm. is, I mean, 8 times 25 would give you 200. Yeah. Right? So, this is a 1 to 24 ratio. Okay? So, if there are 24 Isar for a Dinar, and now according to this, a Dinar is 144 Prutot. Okay, so 124 into 144 is it's a six, six prutos for an isar. All right, so this person has 
according to this figuring, okay, we've got six Prutotunisar. So you see, he says, that seems to be a debate. Are there six Prutotunisar or are there eight Prutotunisar? Okay, one wonders how could this be a debate? Like, the Lord government must know, I mean, there must be a reality out there. Okay. Anyway, so Lema de Marmar Kitanakama of Ravin Damark Rabhim Gamliel. Let's say this is exactly your debate, which could be fine, it makes sense, but who wants to be like a Das Yachid? So Amar Alei, he said, no. Bain Didi, Bain Ravin, I'll leave it to Tanakama. We're both agreeing with the Tanakama. Who says one to eight? So how could I? I said one to six. How could I be saying one to eight? The lokasha had the ikor isure had the zul isure. Okay, basically what he is saying is the following. Now I I can't figure this. I, I can only figure this out if we assume that a isar and a pruta were made from from different um, an Isar and Pruta were made from different metals okay I actually looked it up the original Isar that they think they know is something they think it's something called an As which actually was like an, a very widespread coinage in the Roman realm actually in, 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 it was based on a uh, on a Greek coin so that's Isar anyway the original one was bronze actually and a Pruta was um, was uh, copper so actually you could have three metals going on here, okay. Although it does say that by the time of the, uh, you know, the, uh, that, like by the time of the mission was being written, um, they had already made this into copper. So it's all it was all the it was all the same metal. So I, so what I'm about to say doesn't make sense. But anyway, I mean, I can't understand the gemara. The only way I'm going to understand what the gemara is saying is if they were of different metals. Here's what the gemara is going to assume: the amount of prutas to dinar is stable. Okay, it's always 192 prutas to a dinar. So you know, again, you have to. Meaning, I guess what's 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 challenging me is I'm assuming that the coinage is always based on the weight of the precious metal, and it's not just a nominal amount. And actually, from the little reading I did last night on Hebrew Wikipedia, which is a great source, it actually seems that even in the time of the Roman um, Republic, um, coins could have a nominal value which was higher than their pure metal value. So that might also be how this makes sense. But for now, anyway. Wow. Um, I didn't know it was that early. Yeah. So anyway. Assuming that there's a fixed ratio of 192 prutas to a dinar, the Gemara is going to assume that that ratio is fixed. But what is not fixed is the um, is the uh, the ratio of the isar to the pruta. That can fluctuate based on the value of the isar. Okay, so here's what it's going to say. Um, um, where were we? Bain Rabbi Nalibah to Tanakama. We all agree like to the Tanakama. 192 prutas to a dinar. Velokasha. Had the ikor isure, had the zul isure. Is the isar, does that have a higher value or a lower value in a given time in society or whatever? And by the way, the isar's value did fluctuate radically over time. Like there was a time where it was basically worth like, like I think like, like a twentieth of what its original worth was. Anyway, had the ikor isure, kum esim arba bezuza. If it's, if isar is of a higher value, then there are um, 24 isarim to a dinar, a dinar is a zuz. Okay, so this is a 1 to 24 ratio, right? 8 to 92 is a 1 to 24 ratio, and when it's, when it's a 1 to 24 ratio, this is a 1 to 8 ratio. Because again, the pruta to dinar is stable. Okay, so when this is 1 to 24, then that's 1 to 8. One minute. Hadazul, if however the, the Isar is of, you know, is devalued in a particular time, is of a lesser value, thrusting the train bezusa, then this would be a, thir- a, a, a 1 to 32 ratio, then this would be, right, 6. 
right? So 6, right, is a 1 to 32. So what we're saying is a proof of value never changes. A proof of value is stable vis-a-vis the dinar, which would be also, I guess, be a very stable value. So if I, one, one, I'm going to describe it as one-eighth of, a, of an isar, and somebody else is going to describe it as one-sixth, we're not really debating the value of the pruta. What we're really debating is the value of the isar. The isar's value fluctuates, but the dinar's value and the pruta's value are relatively stable. Okay, so that's his answer. Yes, Michael. So my, my question is, and everyone's agreeing, though, that you couldn't just get in more modern times, take out a penny and say, hurry on, just leave because a penny is less than a pruta. That's what they're saying. I mean, you can't use the smallest... Whatever. Exactly. You can't use the smallest coin of the realm. It always has to be the value of the pruta, and what we're saying is the value of the pruta basically being figured as 101.90 seconds of the value of a dinar. Now, the question is, by value, do we mean the purchasing, the, bu- the purchase value, the buying value of that, or do we mean the precious metal value of that? Right? So, that's the whole question. Anyway, um, I would also say, talking about devaluing, I want to say something which is is that, oh look, that's still up there from two months ago. Yeah, so this is, actually, this is actually an excellent point to make. So remember that dinar is a zuz, and a ksuva is 200 zuz. Now 200 zuz used to be enough to support yourself basically for like a year, or maybe even two years, okay? So that's 200 zuz. Now, how much was 200 zuz, if you know, our current ksuvas, don't say, they have they the 200 zuz, but they have matayim zakukim, of kesef, tsaruf, of pure silver. A zakuk is a much, much larger amount than a zuz. Um, and basically what happened was, was in the Middle Ages, 200 zuzim were worth almost nothing. Um, and the woman was there for not being protected by the ksuva. So what they did is they were they, they, they established as a takana that all ktuvot, every chassan has to basically assign the dowry value at 100 zakuk and the tosefet value at 100 zakuk. So a woman was promised 200 zakuk, which was much, much more than 200 Zuz. Now, these are weights, and actually there's a very precise weight that we have going back to ancient times, which is essentially like, I think, like barley weight or whatever. I don't what I, whatever it is. Anyway, it's a very precise weight. So actually, the 200 Zuz is a measure of a weight of silver. Okay? So the presumption is it's not based on buying power, it's based on the precious metal value, and it's based on a weight of silver. By the time of the Middle Ages, or by nowadays, 200 Zuz is approximately $600. Okay? 200 Zuz. Which means that a Zuz is three dollars okay and so which means that a pruta is about do the math about a penny and a half okay maybe two pennies okay so therefore whereas 200 zakuk is $27,000 roughly in in today's price of silver okay so that's the 200 zakuk of the ksuva is is going is is 27,000 but that used to be but but zuz used to be a lot more Zuz used to be approximately that. So nowadays, based on the value of a dinar, which is about two dollars, which is about three dollars, the value of a dinar, okay, a pruta is about two cents, okay. But it could have been, but you're two cents, but it could have been right that uh, what do you call it that um, that uh, you know originally it was closer to two dollars or closer to a dollar okay so it might have been originally a dollar but uh, but we don't go by the buying power mm-hmm. we go by precious metal value so so it's so anyway so when I say to somebody does it look like it's worth a pruta you know I, I don't give the exact amount but if somebody were to push me I'd say I'd say a dollar because clearly a pruta nowadays is, is, is much less than a dollar but originally it might have been closer to a dollar or two dollars and the thing this, this is not just a debate for uh, 
Kesef for Kedushin. It's, it's applied as we, for everything else. Like, meaning they'd, they'd right. Uh, presumably, that is correct. Presumably, with a, right, that seems to be the Gemara's case. So Anytime we discuss Pruta, we do not mean the smallest coin of the realm, we mean a Pruta. Although nowadays, again, that is close to a penny. It's maybe two pennies. But originally, it was probably closer to a dollar. But I can't take five shekel and put in my firstborn son. I mean, I can't take five correct. Really shekel. Correct. 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 Yeah, obviously. Um, yeah. How, how, how much weight is the Zukos? Zakuk? Yeah, I'd, I'd have to check. I mean, but uh, yeah. So what are we writing the Ketubah now? We, we, we write, you get the 200 Zuz for your, for your, for your Mohar, and 100 Zakuk for the, 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 the price we just assessed the dowry at, which means that that's the price that if they get divorced, he's going to have to give her back because he's declaring that her dowry is worth 100 zakuk. And 100 zakuk for Tosefet, which is the additional amount that he's agreeing to give even though he's not obligated. So bottom line is, what she, gets to, what she would take out in the case of divorce would be 200 zakuk. Okay? All right. Meaning, we don't say how much could a dinner have bought in the time of Chazal. First of all, you know, it's all like it's consumer price index. Like, first of all, are you like, what do you mean bought? Are we talking about how much food, how much bread, how much meat, how much real estate, right? And then you try to assess, well, what's the equivalent buying power nowadays? But that's a very hard measure and it's a different measure. We basically go by like precious metal value. Yeah. Yeah, the value of gold and silver plummeted yeah. in the 16th century when the Spanish colonized the New World and opened the uh-huh. Mexico. But this was already in like the 12th or 13th century. Yeah, and I was wondering, did, yeah. did, was there any adjustment made in early modern Oh, uh, I don't know. Okay, so let's let's continue. So now the question is like this. Um, okay. Now we move on to a slight, I mean, whatever, slightly different point. We don't have to worry about all these numbers. Okay. Um, okay. Amar Shmuel. Kiksha Bitmara, if a man married a woman with a, uh, with a date, Afilu Omed Kur Tmarim Bidinar, even if an entire Kur, you know, which is a huge quantity of Tmarim, are going for a Dinar, which would mean that presumably there's more than 200 yeah. dates in a Kur. Okay. So, if he, so, so that means that it's clear that a date is worth less than a Pruta. Nevertheless, Mikudashet, she's married. Why? It's based on the market rate of Tamarim. It's clearly worth less than a Pruta. Maybe there's some country somewhere off in, in you know, in, 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 in Madai, somewhere, you know, and Paras and Madai, somewhere halfway around the world, maybe this goes for more than a Pruta. Maybe this goes for a Pruta. Which is so funny because now we said, okay, Pruta is a fixed amount. But when you do it with something that's not money, but some object, how do you assess its value? So, of course, we would have assumed you assess it based on the value here, right? And Shmuel's introducing this this wild idea that if somewhere on the globe it's worth a pruta, maybe that is enough to give it significance. Okay? So, let's take a look. The equivalent of a pruta. And according to Shmuel, you would never be able to assess that something was or wasn't the equivalent of a pruta because you'd always have to be worried about what's it worth in Madai. So, the says, no. Yes, what Beitil is saying is, if it's worth a pruta here in this locale, then she's Vada married. If it's not worth a pruta in this locale, she's Suffolk married. So we always thought Beitil was saying, if it's not worth a pruta, she's Vada not married. Say no. It's saying if it's not worth a pruta, she's Suffolk married. If it is worth a pruta, she's Vada married. Right? This is a huge chumra, right? All right, because every every case is a Suffolk Yidusha. Who gave the Aktish Bizavda the Ordi? A certain man married a woman with a, like a bundle. Rashi says of like I don't know cloth. 
are like you know of like uh, of like uh, pieces of cloth. Shmatas, essentially. So he was sitting in front of Rav and he was looking into the case. It was worth a pruta. She's married. If not, not. So the Gemara now again, if a pruta was a penny or two pennies, it's hard to imagine it was less than that. But it was a dollar. You could imagine something like that would be worth less than a dollar. So the Gemara says, How, even if it was a lot of pruta, how could you say it's not a concern? But even less than a pruta, tzafik yidushin. Okay, and so what? You want to know, is she definitely married or is she Suffolk married? So now the Gemara is introducing that every case of less, of, of less than a pruta would still turn her into a Suffolk married. Another story. We'll see if we end this way. A man married a woman with like a stone of a, uh, you know, one of those like uh, colored stones. I don't know what, 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 what how does it define what, what it is? What? What? Like mood ring. Mood ring, yeah, something like that. Here's a Shaish Shahor, like black marble. Yeah, no, well, you know how you go sometimes and they sell all these colored stones and you get like, yeah. you know, you get like a whole, like whatever, like bag a bag full of them for $5. Yeah. So you have these things, they look pretty, they're colored stones, but each, and one of them is not worth a lot. We're not talking about, you know, diamonds and emeralds. That's okay, right. exactly. Okay, so he married a woman with this stone. Okay, um... He was estimating. If the shavar puta she's married, not not. So the says he lays shavar puta love. Amar shmur chashinan. Doesn't shmur say that where we doubt whether that it's still suffik yidushin? So finally, the gemara here puts the brakes on shmuel. The gemara says Rav Chizda lo savar Rather than saying the alternative would have been suffik yidushin, um, and Rashi says the reasons why we didn't say that, but I won't go into it. Anyway, it says you know what Rav Chizda doesn't hold of shmuel. Okay. Amrle Aime, so now the mother, uh, or some have the gears to Aima, the mother of the woman who was given this the thing said, So now we've established less than if it's we don't know the Shmuel. If it's less than a pruta, she's Vare Ainamikudashas. Now the mother's now apparently now of course the question that I'm waiting for somebody to ask me is, why doesn't he just now give her if they both still want the wet marriage, why doesn't he just now give her another thing that's worth yeah. a pruta? Maybe so Rashi says describe maybe they don't maybe one of them wants to back out. But Rashi also describes the case similarly that you already said from another man. Okay, exactly. So anyway, so the mother now says, either the groom's mother or the bride's mother says, I, on the wedding day, I am telling you that the market, you know, I saw him go to the store and buy it or whatever, it was worth more than a pruta. Okay, you don't have to figure out now you're trying to assess what its value is today. I'm telling you, when they got married, it was worth less than, it, not less, it was worth a pruta and she's not a married. Okay? It doesn't make sense how much you paid for it necessarily. Right? All right, that's fine. Right? Fine, it's yeah, worth. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what it's worth. Okay? So, we, so we're, we've assumed we're putting Shmuel aside. If it's less than a pruta, vada not married. A pruta, vada yes, married. And now he's trying to determine what's its value today. And the mother is saying, what do you care what the value is today? At the time of the marriage, I'm telling you, it was worth a pruta. Havi be pruta. Amr law. So he said to her, lavko kaminach to asus lea basra. So this makes it clear that there was a second guy in the picture. You are not believed to make her forbidden to the second guy. Okay? Meaning, you know, why, well, that's just, uh, you know, it's a testimony of one person of a woman who's not aged no but this isn't Isurim this is a riot a shashish and so on and he basically well no anyway and he says I'm dismissing that you know you're just one witness to woman's testimony is not given the same weight we're dismissing that okay now how, what's the evidence that we can dismiss that and the point is it implies it impacts other people you read you read Neil Adis it's also why it's not just Isurim it impacts the second man right so it's not just a question of like can I you know a cost issue which really just affects 
that's me. Okay, so anyway, no, it doesn't matter. But you're taking away, you know, you're you're challenging the fact, you know, his rights as it were. Uh, if we determined it was Vada, well, no, I mean, if we determined it was Vada less than a Pruta, then he would say, right, I mean, that would be the interesting thing, and we're going to see that. If, if, if the assess- assessment right now is that it's Vada less than a, it was Vada less than a Pruta, and he determines based on the information he has at his disposal that it's less than a Pruta now, and he's assuming that it was less than a Pruta at the time of the marriage, because that's really what matters. Right. But that's his, the assessment he arrives at. And somebody says, somebody, oh, this, this mother says, no, I'm telling you it was a Pruta, and he told dismisses her, he's going to come to the conclusion that she Vada was not married right. to the first guy, does not need a get, right. and is Vada married to the second guy. Yeah, right. So, so exactly. So exactly. So you're right. It is being le- I mean, lenient. He is completely dismissing the testimony. Now, what, on what basis? He says, It's a similar to the story of Yehudis, the wife of Rabbi Chia. She would have a lot of anguish in childbirth. Okay? And she had a lot of twins, Rashi points out. Amalei so she said to her husband one of these times when she had all of this anguish like she thought you know even like dissent about like what is she doing like what did she do to be suffering this much so she said you know why I, what I think this is, a bit, this is because of because I'm really aimed because my mother told me that your father actually had married me off to another man when I was uh, underage so here she was she was married to Rebbe Chia right this was one of those like major Amorayim and all of a sudden ten years into marriage after she's having these pains in childbirth, she says, you know what? Maybe this is because I'm really married to another man. Because <laughs> my mother told me that my father had married me off to another man when I was a baby. So what did so, so, so what happened? So, so he says, I'm her law. So her husband said to her, yeah, Rebbe Chia, your mother has no believability that she should make you forbidden to me. Okay, so I, that, that, that tells Testimony has absolutely no halachic weight. Okay, it's not two witnesses, etc. No halachic weight. So here too, no halachic weight. Even though you say, oh my God, he's sleeping with an Ashish, isn't he concerned that his wife is married to another man? No. Those, we completely dismiss it. We assess it based on the evidence we have at our disposal. There's actually a story I've got to tell you. This is actually a joke, but I'll tell you that one later. But there's a story that a man said, um, somebody told me this story about the guy he knew. The rabbi was being Masada Kiddushin, and under the chuppah, the um, Hassan um, gives, you know, says to the rabbi, he says, you know, this is the ring that my grandmother, you know, gave me. And my grandmother said it was very, very important that I use this ring and that I show it to the rabbi and that the rabbi should look at it. So the rabbi takes the ring and he looks at it and he looks on the inside, inscribed on the inside, it says, Mom's there. So, <laughs> so this is how the grandmother was dealing with her guilt about this situation, right? So leaving this like time bomb to go oh, off. Right. Anyway, so 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 I so I said to the guy, told me, so, so what did the rabbi do? So he said he did, he did the only thing he could do. He fainted, so, <laughs> which was a way of buying him time. And then you know they rushed him off or whatever. And then he made a phone call. <laughs> so, anyway, the answer was like Rav Kolkaminach. That has no halachic weight. You just ignore it. So, <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. And like, she, and you said that he, she said, uh, you know, I have to tell you that I have right. to this child, you know, the, the Hassan and so, yeah. and so there, and he said. 
Right, right, right. Yeah, so that's basically it. You know, we dismiss the testimony. Now there, of course, it would only be like negative here and here too. I mean, he's already married to Rabbi Chia. Here it's a little different. Like he hadn't yet started to ma- live with either man. It seems like, and the question was, which man was her husband? But nevertheless, we just dismiss the testimony. Yeah. Why we don't say Meaning that this woman, this mother, saying generally we say. I understand, but ain't davar shabereva pachos mishnayim means that things that have to do with personal status are not assessed as normal isurim. Okay, and also again, it also has to do with like you know, sort of like like like. That's the basic. But if there were two answer. witnesses that said, "Yeah, I was at the store when he purchased it, and I saw I saw the receipt, and it was for a dollar fifty, then they would be believed. Yeah, okay. and now we're going to get to that case. Okay, I mean, there's other points too. The basic point is that it's never Shabarifa, but the other relevant points also said, like, is that it's not like it's just between me and whether this is an avera or not an avera. It, it has implications for other people and other people's sort of rights and so on, and therefore it also puts it into the more standard category of aidus. Okay, so now the gemara says like this. Okay, so we're not done with this case. So we've dis- dismissed Shmuel, we've dismissed this uh, mother testifying. Amalei Rabbanan Rav Chiza, now the rabbi said to Rav Chiza, Amai ha'ikasadi bi'idis di'yadu d'rahu yom ha'habi be'ishtri fruta. Why are you going to allow this woman and say that it was not a good marriage? There are witnesses in a, over in Idis some place, some foreign country, Madai, <laughs> that was there at the time and the story is, is that they are saying that it was worse a fruta. So it's like it's Aden EPA, but at least we're telling you con- we, there is evidence to be had that it was worse a fruta. So he says, you know what? They're not here now. You snooze, you lose. Okay. I'll give you like the story with Rabbi Hanina. Um, so the witnesses are over. So this was a case um, about a woman who was taken as uh, the daughters of Shmuel, actually, who were taken as captives. And basically they said that they were not... Yeah, whatever. And they basically were said, I think it's just... Anyway, they basically said that they were you know that they that they were not forced to have sex and therefore they were allowed to marry other men. But the halacha is that that's, that's only because there were not witnesses that saw them being taken captive. If there was actually if there was direct evidence that they were taken captive, they wouldn't be believed to say that they had not that, that, that they had not been raped. So somebody said in that case, but there are witnesses. There's witnesses somewhere that saw. And the answer was. So what? So there are witnesses somewhere else. That's going to make them us are here. Like if the witnesses aren't here, we're not going to pay attention to it. So Abay the Rav. So that was his response. Now there's a difference. And Abay the Rav really had Rav Chizda. They did not agree with Rav Chizda's psak that we could, we could just dismiss those witnesses. Just because we're lenient by a shvuya. Now some have these. Take out the next few words, which is hard to explain what they're doing here. But let me just let me take it out first. If we're going be lenient by a shvuya, even if there are witnesses that a woman was taken captive, we don't know that she was raped. So in that case, to dismiss the fact that there are witnesses that saw her taken captive, but even that is not direct evidence that they're usher, right? It doesn't mean, you know, we're just going to presume and we won't believe them to say otherwise, but, but that's only a rabbinic type of a concern. So we can dismiss it if the witnesses aren't here. But here, we're saying that there are witnesses that know that she's married to the first guy. How could we not be concerned about that, okay? So if there's a te- if there's knowledge that there are witnesses somewhere else, we have to be concerned about it, okay? That now, Tosus, by the way, says that it, that it's too extreme that Shmuel that that Rav Chizda here would not be concerned about these witnesses. So take a look at Tosus. He says. 
Ra'ika Sadi Be'idiz or Be'uris um, he says Ain Lefaresh Shenechush L'Shema Ika Sadi no the second one don't be saying like saying maybe there are witnesses Dean Kane Ain Lefaresh Sof to Lola Mikolamechish clearly the case is not just hypothetically who knows maybe there are witnesses it sounds like there's something concrete some knowledge that there are witnesses on the one hand you can't say we just always are concerned on the other hand Vanami Lekel Lefaresh Ra'ika Sadi Di Yadi Bushata Havei Be'Shrei Puta you can't say that it's like people know that there are witnesses that they heard witnesses say that there was a Shaveh Pruta because in that case there would be no way Rav Chizda could be so lenient in that case so this is logically we have to find like a middle case here either extreme doesn't make sense meaning we don't know for sure there's a rumor that there are witnesses who know that it was a Shaveh Pruta okay so Tosos doesn't says it's too hard to imagine that if there's like people say I heard witnesses say that it was a Shavar Pruta that we could dismiss that but if there's a rumor then he says that Rav Chiz is willing to dismiss and Abai and Rava are not willing to dismiss okay so now the Gemara goes on okay that line by the way that by a Shavuya the Menavla Nafsa Gabi Shavai she like makes herself degrading by the captor how that is that relevant is not exactly clear could mean that just because the captor maybe took advantage of her doesn't mean he really ra- he raped her or couldn't whatever maybe it means that she'll make herself that the captor won't want to have sex with her anyway it's a hard line but the basic point is we're lenient by Shruya which is Durabanan that doesn't mean we're going to be lenient by a case of Eishas Yish okay so now the Gemara goes on there was some uh, you know in Sura there were some uh, descendants from that family from the family that uh, Rav Chizda basically let this woman marry the second guy and then they had kids and grandkids and whatever and there were some descendants from that and the rabbis, meaning the the the, 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 the you know the Hamonam, where the, you know they, their status was, they fo- followed the authority of Rav Chizda. It was considered that the kid, she was okay, the kids were okay, they married in with the family and so on. But the rabbis were a little bit more machmir not to marry into the family. yeah, basically because of Suffolk moms not because they're concerned about Shmuel that even less than a pruta, we have to be concerned that it's worth a pruta somewhere in Medina Hayam. No, but because that there were witnesses that there was a, there was at least a rumor that there were witnesses that knew for sure that it was a Shavah Pruta. Okay, so the basic conclusion of the Gemara, besides that it's a little bit disturbing, this idea of having these double standards, right, which is issues that we have today too. Like you know, but okay, that we we're going to find even more of as we do Maseches, you know, Kiddushin about you know different types of standards by Yuchsin. But anyway, the basic conclusion of the Gemara is is that if it's if it's clear it's less than a Pruta here, we're not worried about what it might be worth elsewhere but if it's uh, but if there's some question of is it worth a proof to hear in the certainly case where there's like a knowledge that there are witnesses who might have that information or whatever we cannot just so easily dismiss that information let's just keep on going um, okay um, a man married a woman with like a stick of, mur- of, uh, of myrtle bashuka um, in the marketplace what's the story with this case is it worth a pruta? Yeah. Shalachle, is it worth a pruta? Give him lashes like Rav. And have her, and, but he, he needs to get like, meaning clearly it's not worth a pruta. He picks up a stick off the ground. Clearly it's not worth a pruta. But we pass him like Shmuel. He's concerned with Shmuel. Maybe it's worth a pruta in Madai. So you need to have, have a get me suffix like Shmuel. This Shmuel is, uh, is like, is so much thorough, right? Every single case needs a get me 
suffix. So number one, like Shmuel, we have to give a get me suffix. Maybe it's worth a prutin made. But by the way, another halacha here is we have to give him lashes. Why do we have to give him lashes? To Rav, Mangid, Rav gave lashes on the Mekadesh Peshuka, somebody who marries a woman in the marketplace. This is very important, you know, because this is basically saying marriage is a serious institution. You don't get into it without, like, you know, significant planning and forethought. And so even though halachically a marriage is binding if it's done on the, at, you know, at the, at the, you know, on the, you know, instant, you know, like spontaneously, you know, you gave it, there was witnesses, she accepted it or whatever. Nevertheless, there was uh, Rav wanted to prevent that like you need to go through a process of forethought and treating it seriously you don't do it stam in the marketplace one minute so the Makadish could be up Somebody does kiddushin with sex. We'll talk about that like later, maybe tomorrow. Now the mekadesh below shiduchei, or somebody who does kiddushin without any engagement period, for the same reason. That's very similar to the issue about in the marketplace. Now the issue about mekadesh bebia might be similar because that basically is sending a message. Like the whole idea of two stages of kiddushin and isuin is saying that this is not just all about the you know about like having sex. You know, this is like a this is like a commitment and that you're entering into that um, that has, you know, is much more than just of the sexual life and it's sort of, it's something that, in, that endures, you know, it's a contract, it's binding, so it comes even, the Kiddushin becomes a reality before the sex becomes the reality, right? So, um, and you know, marriages have trouble, have, you know, there are times that they have trouble and that even when sometimes the, you know, the, there's some, phys- like, they're not as intimate and they're not as close or whatever, it doesn't mean the marriage all of a sudden disappears instantaneously, like you gotta you try to work through the hard times, you know, so a lot of that is created through this sense that you start with Kiddushin and then you move on to Bia. You don't start with Bia. That makes it all like about that. That makes it like something, you know, that doesn't have that sense of like commitment that's independent of that. So that's part of the problem of Kiddushin Bia. Technically it's binding but it's, you know, it's not it, it sends the wrong message about what this home, what, yeah, what, what marriage is about. What? Without, uh, without engagement, without a process of engagement. You mean like those cases where who wants to make wife for a day? We had that in Yeah, or the cases we had earlier in the Gemara. Yeah, there, there are cases like that in it the Gemara. It was yeah. rabbi who did the temporary marriage. Okay, so that's a good question. We all, I don't know. We also had cases in the Gemara. Remember that a woman said, give me to drink, and the guy says, I'll give you some wine, and you marry me with this wine. She says, just give me to drink. So that would, I mean, but that's part, but those are all good reasons why you don't want to be doing it, Bashuk and below Shiduche, you know, so you want it to be treated seriously. Okay, the Al, in addition, let's just go a little bit more to finish this. The Mavato Gita, Somebody who's mevato a get, right, which had to do with that whole case in Gittin. Now Rashi says it's even if you told the shaliach, we're just afraid that the shaliach won't listen to you or whatever. Tosa says no, no, no. It's when you are mevato it, not in the presence of the shaliach. So that's a case where you know the woman could get in serious trouble if that happens. So he was going to give lashes if you did that. Now the gita, somebody who's being compelled by Basin to give a get, but he still wants to subvert Basin. So he, before he gives the get, gives testimony to witnesses that he's not giving it of his own free will. So clearly he's try, it's going to be creating a lot of trouble there. Now, the Mitzayar Shiluchad Rabbanan, or the Basin sent somebody, a court officer, to go, you know, call him to court, and what he does is he, he beats up the court officer. He physically or verbally abuses him, which is a way of rejecting rabbinic authority. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, somebody who allowed a Nidoy to rest on him for 30 days, right? Because the whole idea is that that's, that's 
that shows a disregard the Nidei was a form of rabbinic censure and if you don't feel you have to do anything about it to try to you know reconcile to try to whatever you just you're dismissive of it we got to take things to the next step okay and we got to give you physical ashes mm. okay and a son-in-law that lives in his mother-in-law's house because then they'll maybe suspect this there'll be questions about is he actually sleeping with his mother-in-law the dire in now the question doesn't mean mother-in-law that there's no father-in-law the father is dead or divorced or whatever you know it's not exactly clear the dire in only if he's living there not if he's just passing by not if he just visits on a regular basis so the Gemara says is that true? there was a son-in-law that regularly visited by his, the house of the door of his mother-in-law and Rav Sheshis gave him lashes so you see even just visiting on a regular basis is a problem no 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 there there was concrete suspicions that wasn't just a stomp case people were rumoring that he was having an affair with his mother-in-law like you say I don't want to go to your mother-in-law <laughs> right. now Nardai says let's just finish this point Nardai Amri Rav Rav would not give lashes on any of those cases only two things combined Kiddushin with sex and without Shidduchin beforehand you know it's like right on the spot you're so eager to have sex that you just you know you know they came with nothing beforehand and it's all about the sex it's not about a serious entering into institution of marriage even Kiddushin with like an engagement period would be inappropriate Mishum Pritzusa because that would just be considered to be like you know too uh, like Pritzusa is the opposite of Tzniyut you know too immodest you know too immoral to sort of make it you know to just make it all about sex I want to just read very quickly two, one line of, uh, from, from Tosos or two lines from two Tosos Tosos first of all says about about uh, about uh, um, you see that? Yeah. So it says, That's why nowadays son-in-laws live in their mother-in-law's house. Even the one that says that we, you know, that's the conclusion that Rav did not give lashes. But even according to the position that Rav gave lashes, No, no, no. Nowadays they do it just to save rent. So therefore, it's clear they're not doing it because they're having an affair. You know, they're doing because they get free rent. Okay. And the last one is Mishum Pritsusa about Kiddush Bia. I just want to read. Mesarik Rabbeinu Haini Pritsusa. said the Pritsus was that you need witnesses for the Bia. That was Pritsus. But Tosus doesn't like that. And if you skip to the last line of Tosus, he says, Elanira Lari, the Hainu Pritsus, Shaosim Tchilas Kinyanam Bivia. It's like that you started all off with being about sex, you know, and that's really the priest's problem. Kiddushin is about entering into the seriousness of the, you know, institution of the commitment, and uh, you know, and it's not all reduced to sex, and it's not something that you just do at a spur of the moment, you know, and that's sort of what Rob was coming to try to control. Okay. <laughs>